Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Good afternoon, evening. Yes, as always, we are recording into the wee hours of the evening so that we can be as alert and awake as is possible, as you might expect. But we are still excited to have you with us. Uh, well, again, as excited as we can be. <laughs> hip, hip. Huzzah! That's right. Uh, we have a fantastic episode for you. We are going to talk about basically two subjects in our episode today. We're going to continue our trek down memory lane in terms of the history of comic book movies. Uh, in 2007, we're going to talk a little bit about 30 Days of Night. And then we are going to do something a little bit different. We've done top 10 lists. We've done movie reviews. We've done interviews. But uh, we're going to go and, in our own mind, create an ideal three-day music festival that we wish we could attend, that we would spend hundreds of dollars to get the chance to go and listen to. So we're, we're kind of excited about this. Yes, we're going to talk logistics. We're actually going to set it up. We're going to talk to the <laughs> promoters. And we've got a venue all lined up. Good to go. Yeah, sure. Of course we are. Well, uh, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about the history. I mean, because that's, that's the easy thing, talking about comic book movie history. Now, this, this particular film, I did not see in the theaters. I saw it after the fact once it was on some streaming services. Same. Um, but 30 Days of Night is a comic based on basically a uh, comic of the same name by IDW Publishing. It was originally released back in 2004 by the writer Stephen Niles, well, not Stephen, I shouldn't call him Stephen, Steve Niles, and uh, Ben Templesmith. Um, this is the first of two movies based upon that particular, um, particular comic book. Now, did you ever read the comic? Negatory. I did not read it before I saw the film, and I did, still didn't technically read so much as I saw it, it's like, oh, I have to take a look at the art and see how it compares. And that's all I had time and money for <laughs> at the moment. But it's it's pretty slick looking. It's very it's very stylized. Now, uh, now, when you say that this is a comic, is it a comic or is it more uh, like graphic novel? I, I saw it as a graphic novel. Okay. Um, and I think that was how it was originally released, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think there were more than one. Uh, graphic novels. Now it's possible that it was a comic and I just saw the bound version of it. I'm not as familiar with a lot of IDW's released work as I am with Marvel or DC uh, to my chagrin. <laughs> but what does IDW stand for? Uh, I don't work. No, no, no clue. I didn't think you'd know. So. No, no, I could probably look it up, but uh, that would require effort. And instead, I like to be uh, surprised by questions that I don't have the answer to. It just makes me sound uh, <laughs> sound intelligent. Victory! Right, you know? Um, but anyway, so the movie has a, a, it's really good. I mean, I, I don't know how true it is to, to the comic, but uh, what did you think when you saw it? No, I can, I can say it's been a while since I've gone it no 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 not that song um since I've seen this song wait seeing the movie yeah. right yeah I'm all confused now late night um gosh 10 years maybe since I've seen this movie yeah. and I remember watching it and being entertained by it and thinking it was good but nothing spectacular in a sense but I did like like how it was kind of set up and I liked the actors in it then. Since then, the actors that are in it have been in a lot of different things that I've enjoyed them in. Oh, yeah. So I bet going back into this, I would enjoy it even more just because I like the cast that's in here. Well, no doubt. I mean, you've got Danny Houston, who is just phenomenal in pretty much anything I have ever seen him in. He is one of those actors that I love to death. Yeah, he's cool. I like him. He's super creepy in this in this film. And I mean, a lot of it plays into it. The fact that it's, it's a fun concept for a vampire movie. I mean, seriously. Oh no. Oh yeah. Uh, spoilers for this, uh, 13 year old film. Um, but 
I mean, how often have I, I know I thought watching other vampire movies like, wow, it's really such a bummer for the vampire that half of the day they just can't do anything or more sometimes. I mean, if it's summertime and uh, and, and everything, you know, it stays light until what, eight o'clock, eight thirty, sometimes nine. Mm-hmm. And then it gets light at like five in the morning. That's not a lot of time to operate and do anything. I would think about moving somewhere like Alaska. <laughs> it's like, ah, it's a book about logistics. Right, exactly. And that's just such a smart, such a smart idea. And the, the, the horror behind not being able to get away because there is no safe zone. There's no, you're, you're stuck. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's just kind of, kind of a crazy, a crazy thought. And uh, I like that idea. And Josh Hartnett did a great job in, in the film. I thought. I mean, he was he did as a uh, protagonist. Um, Generally speaking, I, I think he he's definitely not one of my favorite actors. And I want to say that I don't like him, but you know, most everything that he's in, I don't mind him in. So right. I mean, he's he's better than a lot of the other people that are out there. So he's he's a pretty good neutral. I, I, not a draw to me, but not a, not a detractor. Yeah, I think I'm thinking kind of the same thing. Now, Ben Foster uh, is on multiple comic book movie lists because, you know, he was Angel, which was kind of cool. And he was also... He in, had his uh, piercings. And the Punisher, right? No. So he's he's got some real comic book cred. I mean, Mark Boone Jr. was in The Dark Knight, right? Or not the Dark Knight, but Batman Begins. Yeah. Dirty uh, at cut. least maybe he's in the Dark Knight too. I can't remember if he is in both, but he's at least in Bar- Batman Begins. Uh, you know, so I mean, you've got a lot of these uh, Manu Bennett. I mean, come on, man! It's, it's he's by he's by Spartacus, dude. Yeah, but for, I know I know you're more of a Green Arrow. Yeah, right? he, he's he's he is Deathstroke for sure. Such a great Deathstroke, man! He did so good in that show, and, and truthfully, I think. His his work on that is a lot of what made Green Arrow stick the way that it did because the he he just was he could be both intimidating but also relatable which is a hard thing to pull off. Yeah, he makes a good Crixus. Yeah, um, but I mean, all in all, the the entire cast did a really good job in this film. It's dark. It's gory. Um, it's gory without being ridiculous for the most part i mean there's there's some fairly heavy gore in some spots but mostly it's ambiance and and the way that they set up the 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 plot that it's it's hard to not feel on edge when watching it which is really great mm-hmm. um now the the um the director of the film is david slade now if you're not familiar with David Slade, uh, just watch a bunch of music videos from the uh, 90s and early 2000s, and you will see a bunch of his work. I mean, he did Sour Girl for Stone Temple Pilots, which is one of my favorite music videos. Now, maybe it's because he's got Buffy the Vampire Slayer in it, but... Uh, I thought you were going to say you're such a fan of the Twilight series. No, no, never, no, never. Everybody makes mistakes. That's <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, and and truthfully, he only did like um, one of those uh, as as director. So I can't. He was taking something that already existed, and it it was broken. He was not going to be able to fix it. Well, they're like, oh, he can do vampire stuff. Let's have him do this. Yeah, yeah. No, the, I'm sure he got paid quite a bit to do it. And I, and I apologize to any any girls, uh, well, I, I'm assuming girls, but anybody that thinks otherwise, I will still, and it's probably been said by too many people, but those are not vampires. They had never been vampires. That It, it is grown-worthy bad. It's, it's okay to have kind of that tween romance-y thing, but I just didn't like that they tried to prance it into into the uh, vampire genre and then just mess it up just royally. Oh, that, that just makes me, uh, boils my blood. 
So what you're saying is that you have watched all of these movies because you're so interested in them. No, uh, I'm saying I tried to give the first film a chance. I got maybe halfway through it and said, nope. Yeah, the teen girl in high school. Not a detraction. That is fine. I like a, I like a strong female lead. I well, mean, not, not that, just like the high school drama setting. I can even do the high school drama setting. I just talked about Buffy. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the first several seasons are in high school. That can be fine. From what I've seen of Riverdale, I need to watch a little more. That's got that high school setting. That's fine. Smallville, set in high school. That show was great. But wait, when, when was the time frame for all those shows? Um, it was all 90s? 90s, 2000s. It was after I was out of school. So, well, these, after these were all what 2010s, uh, 20 yeah. late 20s. Yeah, so. so it's not an age thing, I don't think. I just think that we had uh, a rash of better films, and I've seen newer stuff that's had like that Riverdale that's current and that's good. So, it's not it's not a time frame thing, it's just a quality thing, mm. or, or maybe taste. Maybe let me let me put it that way. I'll, I'll try and be a little more diplomatic and say it's a taste thing. And uh, did not sit well with me. Well, also, when these came out, you weren't 15 and in high school, so I get it. Well, when I was 15 and in high school, I was watching Quantum Leap and, mm, and Star Scott Trek. Bacula. Right? I, I was heavy sci-fi. I wasn't watching anything with a high school anything when I was in high school. So that really, again, it doesn't really, it's not about identifying with the source material. But those are good shows. Yeah, they're really good shows. <laughs> God, I miss those TV shows. When I only had like four stations to choose from and you had to make good shows. Yeah. Uh, you Well, you would think. It was, it was more likely that you were going to get something good. It was either going to be really good or a cop drama or a, a medical drama uh, or a soap opera-ish something. Switch over to ABC. A little NYPD blue, get us some some uh, booty shots, a little side boob. Oh, Dennis Franz was great for the high school kid. <laughs> but I mean, what we're getting at is that this director. <laughs> oh yes, we're talking about Thirty Days a Night. I get it. Has yes. had a, a variety of things that we both liked and disliked. Um, so it's he's got some stuff that he's working on, like currently that that's been. I mean, he's been doing Black Mirror. I mean, that's. That's solid from everything that I've heard. And just the little snippets I've seen have looked good. It's one of those shows that's on my list and I just have unfortunately not been able to get to. Um, but American Gods, again, really good. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's, had some, he's had some really solid stuff. I heard Powers was interesting. I hadn't had a chance to actually watch it, though. Um, so, yeah, solid. Hannibal. So, Hannibal, yeah. Um, and of course, he did one episode of Breaking Bad, so I don't really count that because that a lot of shows once they got to a certain point, it was like a revolving door. Who do we have come in and do a special guest shot, which is neat in some respects, but yeah, they think you're good enough. Well, the thing that gets me when they do that whole revolving door is it sometimes leads to some really weird inconsistencies. Not that any one episode is bad, but because there's a stylistic difference in how the director approaches it, you see these just kind of odd shifts from episode to episode and sometimes they can make it work because the tone of the episode has to change for a very specific reason and then that director is very good at making that tone work but sometimes it's not meant to really change but it does anyway because mm -hmm. a different director takes it and you just end up scratching your head and going what the heck happened here and or at least for me i don't find out until after i go back and research it's like oh that's why. Yeah, some action, some suspense, some drama. Action, suspense, drama. Oh, humor. Action, suspense, drama. Like, mm, okay, I get it. Yep. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was like pleasantly surprised when I saw this film originally, and uh, I thought that it was just done really, really well. Now, again, kind of like you said, it's not one of those things that I want to watch it over and over again. I saw it the one time. I'm good. Yeah, and since I haven't seen it in such a long time, if it did pop up on some streaming service or a movie platform, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't shy away from it, yeah. you know. 
But, you know, considering the fact that we only have so much time, and as I'm still going through my list of movies that I've watched, I'm now up over 1,200 in my listing, just <laughs> that I've managed to find. Uh, These are just movies, not TV shows. Not TV shows. I, I, I'm, inclu- I'm increasingly of the opinion that I've maybe wasted my life. <laughs> I mean, it's just years worth of your life consumed in front of a screen. But, you know, people do that at work anyway. So. Oh, but then if you add in television shows and then you take into the account that some of these movies and shows we've seen multiple times. And, and of course, there's then video games on top of that. I'm kind of scared to think about how much time I have spent in front of a screen. Mm. I mean, not that I've sat in front of a screen playing you know, Doom or Doom 2 ever. Yeah, a lot of hours for that one. But uh, so, yeah, so definitely give this one a shot if you've never seen it. I I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really not the same unless you can share it. Right. A lot of movies are a lot better when you watch it with somebody, when you can take your opinions and share them. I can't think of a good location to potentially share some of these opinions. Uh, uh, Care Bears, because, you know, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. But I'm thinking something of a more potentially toxic environment where (laughs) you can not only share your feelings, but completely dress down somebody from a, a, an anonymous location where you can fear no retribution and no actual consequences for your actions. Is there anything like that where we might be able to do something? In today's society? Um, gosh, if, if only there were like 17 of those. <laughs> uh, yes, it is, our, it is our fun way of saying that we're on social media and we would love to hear your opinions. You should definitely come by the website, maybe. Check out the forums while they're still there. Uh, tell us what some of your favorite uh, comic book movies are or what you know, some of the ones that we've talked about. What's your kind of review of them? Or, of course, we're also on Facebook and Instagram at Pudding Guys. Uh, we are intermittently sharing things uh, once in a while. And, of course, you can leave comments and opinions and we will respond we're on twitter at real pudding guys that's probably the social media that we are on the most um admittedly maybe not as often as i would like to be uh but uh we've got some interesting things we're working on in the background which kind of relates to the last social media that i will mention we are of course on patreon where right now for just $1 a month, you can support the Pudding Guys as we get new guests to talk to, new equipment to talk into, new cars to take us to talk in different places that are maybe, hopefully not infested with any sort of communicable disease. Uh, we uh, we appreciate our patrons. Uh, I was going to ask you, what are the people that go on to Patreon? And- I know, I caught it this time. It may be later, but I am more with it today than I was the last time we recorded or at the very least, more cognizant of my pronunciation and tone. Patron. Patrons on Patreon. Now, what I mean by that last phrase, not the cognizant bit, but right now, it's only a dollar. Very shortly, we will be starting open our new service. We are going to be expanding the ultimate comic movie database to be more of an ultimate pop culture database. We ultimate. Will It will be ultimate. We're going to add in, right now it just has movies, but we're going to add in television shows. We're going to add in animated. There are going to be more search options, and eventually it will grow past just the comic book stuff. We may even have some social media-like functionality. It's going to be fantastic. Fun stuff, because you like it, and we like it, but they don't like it, and this person likes it. So what's the score? I don't know. Yeah. We'll definitely figure it out, and we will not. Uh, we will not hesitate in just giving you an overwhelming cornucopia of information that you can use. Speaking of a cornucopia, right? Exactly. Segway to the segway. We uh, we are huge music fans. Obviously, um, I know I am really excited as we record this. Uh, when this comes out, this will already have happened. But as we record this, uh, I'm. Really looking forward to a concert that's going to be here in town at the Bluebird 
Candlebox will be performing, and I will be there, and I cannot wait. These guys uh, are some somebody that I've been wanting to see perform for quite some time, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Now, how big? We've had discussions about the Bluebird. How big of a venue do you think that is? Like, how many people could fit in there? I, I can expect maybe a hundred, a couple hundred, maybe. I mean, we saw the size of the uh, the main floor. I, if you got more than fifty people in that space, that'd be pretty tight. Oh, they fit as many people in there as they can fit for right. sure. Exactly. I want to say a couple hundred. Yeah, but still, if you think about watching a a band, and and you can go. I mean, I mean, seriously, even if you, I guess I don't know how the tickets for this one usually. Like, usually, the Bluebird tickets are like eight bucks, twelve bucks. Tickets for this one is twenty five, right. which is great. It's not a bad price, but usually it's just you come in and then you go to the stage, and if you're close, you stand in front of the stage and you can like lick the sweat off of the floor because it's right there from the performers. So even if you're not that close, you're still only like twenty feet away. So yeah. you. You can see every bit of every thing that they are doing. It's not nothing's hidden. It's all right in front of your face. Right. But we were talking about this, and it got us to thinking. It's like you know, this is. I'm really excited about this concert. But what would be kind of an ideal concert event that we would go see? Now, I'm I'm taking off the strictures in, in the sense that. Uh, at least with my list, I am not limiting myself to people that have to be alive right now. Correct. Yes. So this is this is if time and place and all of that really didn't matter. We just saw that what we thought would be a really fantastic, and this is this is still not even going to be perfect because I, the one thing in my mind, the way I'm putting it together, is like okay, three day event. This is an ideal setting where we don't have to worry about whether the artist is alive or not. But there's still physics. They have to take down one set, put up another set. In my mind, I'm thinking like a single stage. So kind of like May Day in the sense that you're seeing one band perform, then they take down, set up the next band, that band performs. It gives you time to rest between the acts, get something to eat, stretch your legs, that sort of a thing. So you might get eight hours, maybe nine hours a day of performance actual performance time right and so i'm thinking of putting mine together in that mindset so uh, each each performer has a certain amount of time and then that's what it is now i don't know what themes you've got mine's kind of, mine's going to be weird um in the sense that you know you get something like x fest uh you know what kind of bands are going to be at x fest it's only going to be a certain genre whatever uh, Lollapalooza, you basically knew who was performing. It was very rare that you got something like uh, a rap band that was going to be involved. It did happen, but it was rare. Um, so usually you knew this is going to be a rock and roll mes- uh, festival. This is going to be a country festival. This is going to be an R&B festival, you know, whatever. Um, so I, I didn't go that route. I just went with who I'd love to see in kind of a, a thematic way so what i think we will do we're going to start with richard he's going to in his three-day uh, creation come up with uh, or tell us who he thinks would be his first day and why he wants those artists there and you know we'll talk a little bit about that i'll give my first day and then we'll just kind of go through our three days respectively okay so i don't i i don't know if i can say i've that i've taken that deep of a dive but i have an idea on the three days and i have an idea so what i was thinking more of was if we're going to do this we what's the venue right so a lot of festivals in a sense have multiple stages now i don't know if i want to do one that's multiple stages i just want to do one we're going to focus on the bands that are there yeah but um one since it's the perfect scenario it's going to be an outdoor it's going to be an outdoor Definitely. arena, right? Yep. So um, there may or may not be a pavilion, but I'm going to say no to the pavilion. Um, it's just going to be an outdoor, but like a bigger space. So I don't know. Have you ever been to uh, Alpine Valley? I have not. Okay. So that's a really big outdoor amphitheater type of setting. Now you can go to other places. Um, 
a, a good one, for example, you could go to a place like the Chicago Motor Speedway and do something on the infield because not only would you have the infield, but you would have all the grandstands that go around, you know, a horseshoe shape because the, the stage is going to be back like this back of the stage would face one end of the horseshoe right, of, of right. the place so i want an outdoor arena first of all that's definitely the case i saw the black crows at the indianapolis speedway yeah in the terms of venue but uh i i assume the chicago one may be a little bit better yeah it's 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 nice but i, I think alpine <clears throat> i think alpine valley is is better because um the acoustics may be a bit better in that air, in that place, sure. So you're going to get a better sound coming from the performers. I also want, gosh, I can't talk. Um, I also want a a large setup in terms of uh, bathrooms. Yeah, lots of place to you know go poop and pee. No yeah. lines. There's no lines at my festival because there's just so many places to go. Like 50 porta bodies. Yeah. Um, and then there would be uh, a lot of food venues. That's right. Uh, around, yeah. Like not. Well, I'm, I'm not talking about. You just get nachos and chicken Ooh, fr- chicken like, fingers. Like food trucks. Yes, um, but in the sense that there are specialty food places around, where it's not just your typical fast food stuff. Like if you're going to pay 15 bucks for the food, you're going to get good food. And then when it comes to the, there will be. One, two, and then centralized. There'll be a centralized, like, bar area. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be one that, because I'm going to make money off of this, you know what I'm that's saying? Right, so, that's right. Um, everything's going to be um, draft. No no bottles. No cans. Well, yeah, you don't want people throwing stuff up on stage. Correct. Um, but you're going to get big 20-ounce cups you're not going to get the little 16 you're going to get bigger cups everything's uh a draft and that that'll work perfectly just so long as you don't book oasis Mm. uh no wonder walls for me no wonder walls yeah okay so then that's kind of the basic outline of what i want to see in my spot now outside there's somewhere close to it there is a large overly large place for camping with utilities for hookups so you could go you could take your your tent out there you could take your rv out there you could take your car out there but you get a lot you want to buy two lots next to each other cool three four but it's an actual camping venue and you know a lot of those places they will have like an outlet that's right there so you get an outlet that's smart that way you get to a certain level of inebriation you don't have to worry about driving home you're there for a little while exactly the festival is over and you want to go watch TV or play video games. Mm, you can do that as well. Okay. So the, the overall theme of this is it's just simply nineties right now that could stretch. Nice. Okay. It, it could stretch a little beyond a little before, but the overarching theme on this is nineties. So each day is going to, feature a, a certain setup a certain line now how i'm going to do this festival is going to be a little bit backwards so the there's going to be a, a the main concert day is not going to be it's it's hard for me to say that it's going to be on a sunday uh, because a lot of times you think of that as the shortened day yeah right so the festival is going to be uh thursday friday and saturday sunday is your travel day or recovery day i like it done okay so on Thursday, I am anticipating on that a, a tremendous opening act. So we've got to kick off the, the festivals. Okay. Um, we're going to go a different direction. So we want people to be there when the first band shows up, right? Yeah. A lot of times on those festivals, especially on the first day, you get, you get one of the smaller bands to get going. And it's intermittent kind of who's there and whether they care. Exactly. So then you build up and you build up and you get nothing. So we're going to have incentive for people to come to the first performance. And that first performance is going to be Metallica. Ooh, big start. Yes. So they're not a headliner, which this is why this would never happen. They're not a headliner, but it is, 
like I said, a, <clears throat> a way to build that kind of excitement, excitement immediately. Yep. And we're going to have that first day be kind of a mix of two kind of concerts in, in a sense. Okay. Where we're going to do that ever famous tour that was Metallica and Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be Metallica, then Guns N' Roses. And then we're going to follow that up with a family values tour type of concert. Oh. And I, like, we're, we're not... People may think, okay, Limp Biscuit, mm, not their favorite band. That's okay. That's why they're perfect for the middle of the day. Right. So people may be getting food. Maybe they want to take a nap. Maybe they want to do whatever. Still got some rocking stuff going to it. At least in the background, you can keep the ambiance level going. Yes. So they'll be in the middle of the day. And then we're going to go backwards a bit. Um, Corn would be next. And then the headliner for that first day, um, the headliner for that first day is going to be Rammstein. They're going to close the day and just destroy everything. Yeah, destroy would probably be the word that I'd say. Just completely annihilate and, oh, good Lord. It's going to be amazing. Now, I want to say there's some fillers in there because that's only five, but that's five big big bands, four big bands. I don't know. I prefer all killer, but no filler. Hmm. Well, so that's my thought for the beginning. Now, there's other components in the family values tour, but orgy is awful. Yeah. And ice cube's great, but he's not going to fit that theme, that theme for that particular day. I want to say there's a couple others that would kind of go in there, but well, my joke gives you a perfect band to fit in there. Some 41. Uh, no. (laughs) Oh, I got it. I got it. They could be the band that's playing back by the bathrooms. <laughs> Not a fan of some 41. No. No. Okay, so that's kind of a basic a basic start to the day. What what have you said? So, okay, so that and you're thinking kind of like 2-hour chunks on the performances basically? Yeah, maybe, maybe hour hour and a half to 2 hours is depending yeah. on, you know, like some of those have a much deeper lineup and much of of music and people want to listen to them for more than just an hour. So. All right, so my first day, very similar in, in, in some of the things that we're thinking about. I, I agree with the outdoor venue, definitely. I definitely agree that food is a super important element. I, I like the idea of, of kind of having a, a variety of different options, not just the normal stuff. I love food trucks, but I, I want to have a lot of food trucks because the only downside of the food truck is it takes forever and a day to get your stuff because they just don't have a big staff. They're making it from scratch usually or from limited pre-constructed stuff. So it just you got to have a lot of them to be able to get that going right. Um, I want, for the purpose of this particular uh, concert, one of the things that I hate the most at any given concert that I go to is people that love to stand up in front of me. So I want to make sure that the setup for the, uh, for the concert gives enough space and is gradated enough, uh, gradated, laid out in such a way so that if people decide they want to stand up in front of you, it does not block your view. Mm. And you get just a really good look. And in fact, uh, no mosh pits. There will be some heavy music. I don't want to see people doing that around right up front. Pool. I want swimming options up front. I don't care if there's a liability issue. It won't be deep enough for anybody to drown unless somebody. uh, You have to sign a waiver before you can go into that zone anyway. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, So you get that, and then kind of like the really good resorts, you got like the drink stuff to the sides of the pool so you can have the drinks in the pool and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, No rowdiness, hopefully very little spillage. Does the pool contain the material that if you pee it, it it turns it a color? I think it should, and I think it should be rainbow colored. So it's not just one color, and it could be everybody's is a different color. Mm. If it happens, it's awful, but oh, pretty. Uh, (laughs) Like the thought, but the biggest thing for me, the, the for any performance that I've ever been to, uh, a commonality that I generally just dislike more than anything, the seating is awful. So either you're on the ground, 
uh, if you get grass seats, if you're going somewhere. And if you were smart enough to bring something or maybe you had something halfway decent, you're okay. But if the seating is pre-done, like you would go up what was once the Verizon Wireless Music Center, their seating was either these uh, uncomfortable plastic seats or I think at one point they did have some metallic kind of bench areas. Mm, yes. Um, and usually, I mean... You get a lot of the really awful kind of bleacher seating or just that plastic seating. It's never great. I want a cushion. I want a comfortable seat. You know what that will do? It will encourage people to sit down and enjoy and listen. you got the little cup holder. You've got maybe even built into the chairs. Instead of having the giant screen that's halfway through the crowd, you have a screen right on the chair. And if I really want to see it in a little more detail, you look right down at it. Everything is kind of wired through, right? So it's, it's interconnected, a little bit of technology. But, you know, it, I think it'd be worth it. You could even have like a little button that will change which camera angle you are looking at and uh, give you a little bit of control. So there is a, uh, a new basketball arena. I can't remember which one it is, where you have these box seats. Yeah. And the box seats aren't aren't up; they're like floor level box seats. And there's there's seats built up ab- above you. Yeah. And your seat for the game is in front of you. Okay. But your your boxed seat is you, you have all your your vent, your kitchen, and your food, and all that type of stuff. But there are uh, monitors that are at the like where the where the glasses and the monitor is basically a view of what your seat looks like. Oh, so cool. you can just walk up if you're not sitting in your seat, you can walk right up to this monitor and see what you would see if you were sitting in your seat. I, it just sounds crazy to me, but I, it's out in California somewhere. Right? That's kind of kind of cool. I can't remember which which venue that is, but it's for it's for uh, NBA, I think. So we got the venue as I would set it up. My my setup for the actual festival, I agree. I don't like having multiple stages. Um, I prefer a single stage. Um, but I want a variety of variety. So the first day, it's thematic. Day by day, it's different. So the first day, I want, I want buildup. So I want to keep it something that's going to have some energy to it, but not be the crescendo. Not yet. So I want some just really solid acts to begin things. And I, I like your idea of beginning strong, but I, I really do kind of all killer, no filler. I want to start high enough that it really grabs your attention, but it never really goes down. It just kind of ticks up a little bit. It may be a little different from act to act, but it never decreases. It's at least at the same level the entire time. So my day one, um, Start something off, we go classic rock. <clears throat> Give a short set, a little Jethro Tull, just to kind of get the mood going. You got the you got some really excellent uh, some really excellent drums, some really excellent rock. You get flute, the only flute for the entire concert, probably. But you know, it's there. You get them going, give them like a half an hour set, right? And then you build from that and it just rolls into Joe Cocker for half an hour. I mean, because seeing him, uh, seeing him do live concerts when he was maybe not at his most um, sober best, he was actually awesome on stage. And you know, a uh, little help from my friends be the final song in his little in his little set that he does. Get you know, just kind of again builds the mood. So that first hour, you're kind of okay. Now I'm set. Now I'm ready. And then we really, and then we really go into it. The next half an hour set, boom, right into living color. You know, solid, th- uh, uh, thumping beat, kind of really driven music. It was, you know, maybe not something that everybody knew this band's name, but you've heard Cult of Personality, and they have a lot of really kind of fun songs that just kind of keep that energy high, so that you can then continue that high energy into a, a greatest hits from Van Halen for about a half an hour. And it's, it's going to be a, a melding, get get all the lead singers into this. They each get about, what, you know, three songs a piece. 
and just kind of do their 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 tops, do some duets, some interesting vocal medleys between them. All right, now we've got everything good. Now we go into the longer sets. Black Crows, full choir behind them. I've seen Black Crows live twice. They've been fantastic each time, and they do much better with a lot of their music when they've got enough voices to kind of flesh out the the music they do. That 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 choir is, is imperative for a lot of their really good songs. So you get them going, and then you've got something that can bring it down just a little bit, at least in terms of uh, the energy level, so you can recover, but also still has some good energy. You get an hour of Led Zeppelin uh, going. Live Led Zeppelin is great. In fact, the Crows did a tour with Jimmy Page where they did all Zeppelin stuff. So you get them back on together at the same time to do just a little bit of some of the stuff they worked together. And again, get some really neat, you know, kind of multi-vocal duets going. We start building up that energy again. You bring out Santana and Stevie Ray Vaughan, double set for an hour. Get some blues, get some Latin music in there. Again, a lot of faster beats that you can bring in there with some of that, some of that funk, some of that blues to build finally into STP and Velvet Revolver. For an hour, kind of going back and back and forth between the two sounds. And then the headlining set of the first day is Sticks and Rush. Two hours. Because they got some long songs. <laughs> yes, they do. Sticks and Rush. Right. Can you imagine a Mr. Roboto? Oh my God. That'd be so good fun so you got a mix a nice mix definitely so and that would be day one so how does your day two fill out okay so day two we'll we'll, we'll kind of keep the same the same sense in that we got to have somebody kick off the day and, and get everything going um red hot chili peppers Nice. Get a little funk, a little, uh, definitely got that nineties vibe going. Yep. So, uh, but we, we want, uh, nineties and early two thousands chili peppers, but nothing beyond. They have to play their older stuff. Older none, stuff. none of the stuff like Californication is too new. Or is that just that, on the that's, edge? That's the cusp. That's the last one, right? That's the there. last one. All right. But you get, um, you get beyond that, you know, like things like stadium arcadium. No, 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 no. We don't want any of that stuff. Okay. And then after that, we got to continue slightly with the same trend. We, we've got to do a, a, a big set, an expansive set from Primus. So they've got to do early yeah. stuff, old stuff, all the way in between stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, there's no way you were not going to have Primus in the set. Yep. They've, they've got to have, they, they've got to have, well, I don't want them to play every song that they've ever made because they're that's just going to take too long. That'd be like a week. <laughs> so, but they'll have one of the longest sets of the whole. Give them weekend. a two, two and a half hours, maybe. Yep. So they'll they'll have a chance to take a break and come back on and play some more. Um, they may even play some Rush tunes. Who knows? Um, because they're they're actually going on tour this summer and they're going to play a Rush album as they're. Front to back. That's what I. That's what I heard um, from so, you. <laughs> um, next, after that, we want to see a little change of pace, kind of like what we did on the first day. But this, we're going to interject some. Uh, we want Tupac to perform. Well, very nice. The non-holographic version. Correct. Yep. And then after that, we want the West Side Connection to perform. Oh, good choice. So they. They, of course, may go on stage for each other at some point in time. That just makes sense. Um, but those will play. And then after that, we'll do a short, a, an intermediate set from Snoop. I don't need anything crazy. He's got a, a very, very big um, repertoire. Repertoire, Five um, to ten of his best. Yep. And with special guest, Dr. Dre. So yeah, you gotta he's going to be there for uh, Tupac. And he's going to be there for Snoop. So he, he's just going to be kind of popping in and out from from time to time. Okay, so there's like the good middle ground. But the headliner for day two is going to be a gigantic set from Guar. 
That was the other band I knew you were going to put in. <laughs> yep. So they're going to, they're so there's going to be a big break because everybody's got going. They're going to be given um, everybody that is close to the stage, hundreds of people. They're going to be given a um, like a rain jacket, oh. a decent one, because they're going to be um, extra. We're gonna we're gonna provide double the amount of fake blood and semen that they would normally have during a performance. But for our performance, they're going to just go all out and it's going to go crazy. Now this is the, the original lineup. We're talking nineties version when with odorous, um, as, as the kind of the front man for this particular performance. Well, if you're going to do, you you ought to juke them. If you're going to do that, juke the crowd just a little bit, give them the, uh, the, don't tell them that they're going to perform and give them the, the jackets and everything, and then bring out Gallagher as a warm-up for like half an hour. <laughs> Instead of watermelons, he's got like fake heads that he splats. <laughs> but still splats watermelon like part, like juice. Right, right. Mm. Uh, that could definitely work. That'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, we want we want the introduction of the day, once again, to be strong. We want the midday to get people what they want, but not over overpower them and then we right. want to finish with you know the greatest band in the universe so I, I haven't heard the greatest band in your lineup yet so I, I don't know what you're yeah. talking about and no that that would be a fun concert that'd be that would be an amazing day for me yeah I I, I could see you being giddy like a schoolgirl by the end of it mm-hmm. um, well I would I would want to juke my audience so uh, the first day I had kind of classic rock build up. And kind of, again, getting that energy there, but not really taking you up. But now we want to take it up another level in terms of possible energy and just sheer ferocity of emotion in the song. So we start the the second day. Okay, you apparently don't want to do things the way that I want to do it. Okay, so day two, we bring in um, Queens of the Stone Age to start things out for half an hour set. You know, a couple of their most popular songs. I mean, they've got a lot of really good stuff, but, you know, the ones that everybody really wants to hear. Uh, and uh, Is it me or is so, uh, Josh Homming? Is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah, uh, uh, sure. I know I know it's H-O-M-M-E. That's how I remember it. Okay. He's very well regarded in music circles. Mm-hmm. I, the, the more I see things about him, you know, in terms of their albums and the band, like the band didn't get, doesn't get a lot of pop. They'd had that one really good album that got a lot of exposure for them. But yeah, that band is, is, is underrated. Is that acceptable for them? I, I think, Hi, highly I think regarded, so. but commercially underrated. Yeah, definitely. Cause I, I, I love all of their work. Their CDs are fantastic. And, and, they may not be kind of always a front to back listen for me that everything is just great but when they have strong songs on those discs they're really strong and I, I i enjoy it each time but then we bleed from the kind of standard alternative into the new metal which you probably already knew this band was going to be at least at some point in there from our recent talks but bring in evanescence for a half an hour as well i thought you were gonna say creed it's coming. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you bring in Evanescence, their live stuff is a lot heavier sounding than the stuff that they've got on their albums because their their live performance is just fantastic. So, again, you get people, you know, just really kind of the, the, the sound wall is just right there. You build off of that into Bullet for My Valentine for about half an hour. Again, keeping it to less of the screamy stuff some of the more melodic things that they've got because uh, this is my fantasy concert and I, I don't like their screamy stuff for the most part. <laughs> but their, the stuff where it mixes it together is really, really good. Um, then you throw people off for a little bit. This is this is the, the first kind of break. Um, you go into, well, not throw people off, but you go into more of a grungy feel. You go into Alice in Chains. Uh, full original loadout for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. 
because uh, almost all of their stuff is just fantastic. So that's something that you can groove through. You can eat lunch while you're listening to it and still just kind of rock. After which point, that's when I bring in Metallica. I don't give them two hours. I give them like an hour because um, I only want to hear the best of the best. They do not perform a single song after a load. It's all that or before. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Even though they have a sprinkling of some songs that are actually pretty decent afterwards. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All we want to hear is the good stuff. Yeah, the classics. Um, that, at which point, is when you bring in Creed and Alter Bridge together. Both, but you know, the triumphant return, he's no longer living in his car kind of a thing. <laughs> bring in Creed for their performance, and then it rolls in into the Alter Bridge stuff. Uh, showing kind of the progression of how things have have changed over the time of of the two bands. And the set's called Reconciliation. Exactly, right? And then we bring in Seven Dust for an hour with some of their more, I mean, as much as I love, love the really heavy stuff, some of their more melodic, melodically balanced stuff as well. Maybe even with a quick acoustic set in there with a couple of songs where they break it down. And then the super set to end the night is Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine. So you also get the Audio Slave stuff built into that as well and the Temple of the Dog stuff Mm -hmm. for two hours, kind of cycling between the band members to create some of their best sounds but also some unique pairings that you didn't get before. You You don't have the Pearl Jam with the Rage Against the Machine side of things. So you get a little bit of that. Uh, you get some of the solo stuff from uh, from Chris Cornell, and uh, it's uh, that that would be the point at which I would be giddy. That sounds about like my day, day three. three. <laughs> <laughs> so, in in a roundabout former fashion, like that's the majority of how that day would work. Now, you could say how it opens is in and goes through the sets would be this band's going to perform the majority of it, but they're going to get guests. They're going to get, you know, people that will roll in for a majority of the time as well. So the first one's going to be rage. Like they're going to show up first on there. That's a good, get pumping, get it, get on pumping. And then, and then you're going to go into uh, Pearl jam. And then you're going to go into stone temple pilots. And then you're going to go into, um, Alice in Chains, and then you're going to go into Soundgarden. So Soundgarden's going to close the night. Yeah. But in the course of those, that's when you will get the inter, like when Pearl Jam is on, you will get some Temple of the Dog because the members of Soundgarden will come out and they will play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'll get some of that, that mix early on. And then later on, when Soundgarden is on, then you'll get some of that Audio Slave and more Temple of the Dog. But you'll close with Soundgarden on stage, but just a big set of multiples just coming on and coming on and coming mm-hmm. on. Because most of those bands have been together or worked together in some form or fashion between a couple of members, I would say. So it'd be an easy set. So like even on, even if you don't necessarily think of Stone Temple Simple pilots as like that band working with other people velvet revolver right so but that's right that's uh slash um right that's slash am i thinking that right no. yeah no it, that's because it's the the band of guns and roses with the lead singer of stone temple pilots yes right. so like you you saw you saw some of that now we could have because guns and roses is going to be there on day one you know um slash may pop in on um day three so we'll still have some of that but i just think that in some form or fashion every bit of those the that band is going to perform you know two-thirds but the other third is going to be a mix of other band members that are mostly there on that day so each one's going to be like a powerhouse set of just music and music and music and music it's not gonna we're not gonna give them a half hour or an hour we're like we're gonna give them as much time as they need on that final day, because that is the ultimate send off for the folks to think on Sundays. Oh my gosh, what did I just see yesterday? Yeah, that that is definitely awesome. Now my, my third day, I thought about ending on that kind of 
really charged high note. But I've noticed anytime I've either had a multi-day whatever event, anytime they end on the, the that charged kind of high note, I'm exhausted to the next day. I never feel right. Well, that's why you have Sunday off in my Well, yeah, you, you have Sunday off, but it, it's it's not just that I I don't want to have to take the entire day to just recover. I kind of want I kind of want that um, that that hump in the middle, and then I'm coming down on the way down. Mm-hmm. And that way I, I feel like, well, yeah, I'm still recovering, but I can get stuff done. And instead of just like I'm drained, it's like I'm more thinking fondly of what I just had. So my third day, so I had the, the classic rock to start. You go into the, the heavier rock and alternative and heavy metal stuff. And the second day, and then I bring in all the other stuff that uh, I love that doesn't really fit into those two categories and it's meant to kind of calm and chill everybody out but still have enough energy to really be kind of cool will there be a piano on stage there will definitely be a piano on stage so we start with stevie wonder <laughs> there we go. so there will definitely be a piano on stage stevie doing several of his classics and he's got a full band behind him and as he finishes up and he's kind of building things going and people are just like, oh, these are some of my favorite songs, you bring out Ray Charles. Both of those guys, uh, I, I have to admit, when I was a kid, when I was really young, they confused me. I mean, for understandable reasons to a certain extent. They're both blind piano players. So it's like I, I had a hard time at first telling them apart. But as I started listening to the music and seeing how different they were and how awesome both of them were, I really loved their stuff. I mean, the Ray Charles bit in the Blues Brother movie is, is still one of the iconic, awesome bits of all time. And Stevie Wonder... Uh, his his guest appearances on SNL, where you got the the bit where Eddie Murphy is doing the impression of him while he's there, and uh, it's just top that off with it's just positive music, it's uplifting. So it's not just charged, but it's it gives you that positive positive emotion to start the day with. Um, so so you've got that going, and to build on that, then you confuse people for half an hour and you bring up Bjork. Uh, not exactly. She actually has a lot of positive music too. And it has, even if she's super weird, which I actually love, a lot of her experimental stuff still leaves you with this lingering sense of happiness. At least for me, that's what I get out of it. And it's just kind of, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling to have from listening to music that sometimes has very industrial tones to it. Does she have her um, goose the, the, the outfit on? No. Yes. No. Okay. I think she'll wear normal stuff. Okay. Um, from that, you want to break back into more of an R&B and bring out The Temptations featuring Hall Notes. Now, the reason I say this, I have, there was a, um, there was a concert I saw a bit of back in the day. It was David Ruffin and Eddie Kittredge with Hall Notes. And it was doing those old Motown songs and they were so good, but I would, I I still love the original temptations. And I just, I would like to see a six part harmony with some, maybe some eighties rock feel into that and seeing that together would be a lot of fun. So it's mostly the temptations, but just maybe one or two songs with hall notes coming in to accompany all temptation songs or some hall notes songs. Um, it, it ends on a medley of Temptations into Hall Notes. Um, then you bring in Cheryl Crow and Hart for an hour. So you've got some rocking, kind of rock and blues, but also they both have layers to their music that, again, they can kind of bring out that emotional response, at least for me, that can can really tug whether they want to get you to feel, if they want you to feel sad, you're going to feel sad. If they want you to feel happy, you're going to feel happy that kind of a response and I always got that out of both of them and I think that their voices would meld super well because Hart already has some fantastic uh, harmony going on and I really like Cheryl Crow's voice because it's got kind of um, kind of a grit to it that I always enjoyed and I think the two of them would kind of play off each other super well. What's uh, a lot of Cheryl's songs they have heart. Yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Then you build off of that into more of kind of a, a psychedelic feel. You bring out two uh, two bands or, or two acts, I should say, that actually tour together. You bring out Bruce Hornsby and the Grateful Dead doing a combination of both of their songs off of it again. So a lot of piano throughout all of this stuff coming through. And they could even potentially have something like a Stevie Wonder medley because I've always thought it would be really interesting to have kind of a duel between Stevie Wonder and Bruce Hornsby and Ray Charles just kind of taking turns on the piano and, and riffing off of certain melodies. How, how long uh, Bruce Hornsby toured with the dead for quite some time? Oh, yeah. And I never got to see him. I... I I didn't even know he did until after he was no longer doing it because I, I had listened to Bruce Hornsby when I was young and it was like the eighties, Bruce Hornsby. Okay, good stuff, but you know, whatever. And then I wander into a Roscoe's tacos at one point and music is playing. It's like, wow, that's really good. And then the singing starts like, that sounds like Bruce Hornsby, but this doesn't sound like Bruce Hornsby. What happened? And then I find out where that came from. It's like, how did I miss this? It was just so good. Yeah, I only found out about that about a year ago, maybe. Yeah. So you've got kind of this party atmosphere, this happy vibe going. You just ramp into it, ramp into the full party mode. You bring out Jimmy Buffett and Paul McCartney and James Taylor. I know it sounds like an odd grouping to the three of them, but Jimmy Buffett has a lot of songs that feature multiple part harmony and he, he melds different types of music between country, folk, rock and roll, um, blues, uh, reggae, it all kind of melds into that. And you also get some interesting experimental work with James Taylor and a lot of the stuff that he does. It doesn't sound like it sometimes, but what he's pulling from is, is from multiple, uh, stuff. And then just Paul McCartney's fun. And and how much how much fun just he just pops out, say and is he on the uh, piano or is he on his bass? Uh, I would have him be on piano and and also yeah definitely both at some point. Um, and I'd I'd love to see them go into a, a rendition of Steamroller. I think the three of them on Steamroller, which is a James Taylor song, would just be really really rocking. Um, and then we bring out. Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins, just for a nostalgic kind of 80s. This is everything 80s, 80s movie. <laughs> no no Christopher Cross? Oh, I should have brought in Christopher Cross. Absolutely. I, I missed that one. That would have been fantastic. Um, and then we got two headliners for the end. We go into Cake with Ben Folds for an hour and a half, maybe two hours, because they have some really atypical styles of music that, again, can be very positive, uh, very emotional, uh, responsive. And then you finally finish with John Mayer and Justin Timberlake to really, because Justin Timberlake can put on a heck of a concert and he really can hype you up without wearing you out and bring in John Mayer with that kind of the same thing. He can do mellow. He can do fast. It's, It's fantastic. That's a lot of people. I know. I couldn't. I actually weeded people out. <laughs> so we're talking like these guys, they perform, this thing performs all day. On that third day. And that's the other reason not go too heavy because you got to make it through the whole thing. So would you normally start if it wasn't the all day? Noon? One? Yeah, about noon on, on the first two days. And then you start maybe at nine or ten. On day three. Okay. And is there a cutoff time at night? Mm, one. Yeah, no later than. Yes. Because you got that last day. Because you still are there to, to recover, right? And drive home wherever it is that you're going. Yes. I like that. Plus, we want to be considerate to the other people in the area. You know, from creating too much noise. Yeah, people have homes for around this facility somewhere. I'm sure this isn't Woodstock. Yeah. We're we're considerate. But what do you guys think? Do these concerts sound like something that you would spend like a couple hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks to see? Uh, considering some of them would require a certain level of necromancy at this point, I expect they would probably be quite expensive. Um, 
Yeah, no holograms. Right. We're bringing them back from the dead. That's right. What would you want to listen to? Ideal concerts. Let us know. Post it up online. We would love to hear it. But until next time, keep thinking about the music that makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you decide that it's dinner time. Miller time? Yes. (laughs) Well, until next time.